0: Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to give me your ears you tuned in to a fantastic animal. I meant to say, you tuned in to a fantastic episode. Today, we are going to talk about animals on television. Primarily, people who present animals on television on you know national shows like The Tonight Show, The Today Show. On the program, I have Grant Kimmer from Grant's Wild World of Animals. Now, I just want to say something. Ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with animal experts bringing animals on national television. I remember I would stay up late and watch Jack Hanna bring animals on David Letterman. I remember watching Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, bringing animals on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. It just always fascinated me and they were my favorite segments to watch. They were just always exciting. You never knew what was gonna happen and it always just sparked some passion in me and I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. I mean, in my line of work, I am in a career where I myself now present animals on television. And it is a fascinating industry that not a lot of people know about. So today we are going to pull back the curtain. Now, this is going to be a very interesting discussion because right now in this day and age, we have a lot of people against people like myself and people like Grant who present animals on television, who take animals and do live events, who take animals on the stage or on, you know, movie sets or TV shows. There's a lot of people against that. And on the show today, we discuss what's going on right now in the animal rights community. We talk about, you know, what's going on with the naysayers. We go in depth of what we do. And I I think it's really important, um, especially for those of you listening who Maybe you don't agree with bringing an animal to a show. Maybe you don't agree with that. Um, this is a good episode for you to listen to because we really go in depth of you know what this line of work is like. And there's a lot of stuff that people do not know. And I encourage you to listen to this episode with open ears, because it is really fascinating. And I might add, Grant is one of the best in the business. He has worked with top talent, including Robert Irwin, Bindi Irwin, Terry Irwin. He's worked with Jeff Corwin, Dave Salmoni, Jared Miller, all the animal experts that you see on TV presenting animals, Grant has worked with them. And the majority of the times, those are Grant's animals that are on television. I myself have actually worked with Grant on the Today Show a few times. I've worked with him on Late Night with Seth Meyers. I've worked with this guy firsthand. So it's just, it's an interesting line of work. And right now it's currently under fire from animal rights activists, people trying to ban bringing animals on TV talk shows, ban bringing animals and presenting them to live audiences. So once again, fascinating discussion. This is, this is a good one. Now, before we get to the show, as always, I encourage you to tune in to the after show Patreon only, and all you have to do to access that is just head on over to patreon.com animals to the max. Those are exclusive interviews just for our Patreon members. It's great for bonus content and we get more in depth with the interviews, Before we head on over to Grant's interview, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. Okay, brace yourself. This is a fascinating conversation. This is one I've been wanting to have for a long time. Grant, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. How you doing?
0: I'm doing so good, dude. We've been wanting to do this for a long time and we finally picked a date.
1: Yeah, you know, like COVID just kicked us right in the teeth and then stomped on our neck, but it's starting to come back a little bit so yeah we're, we're right at the cusp of things opening up people wanting to get out i'm actually at an event right now it's an event that i've done for over 20 years they love us i, I love the people here uh, but they canceled of course last year and they were kind of holding their breath to see what kind of response they're going to get and man it is just packed and people are out having a good time and uh uh, you know, hopefully it stays that way.
0: Yeah, I'm with you too. I'm so happy our live animal shows here in Idaho have picked up. And I'm telling you what, to be out in front of people again, it's like, dude, I, I can't even explain it. I missed it so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I, you know, I've been doing local shows, but this particular show, our stage show, like I, I probably haven't done it for a year and a half. And, you know, that old adage, it's like riding a bike. Well, it, it pretty much was. The nice thing is the animals. They don't forget anything. Like, you might forget your timing. You might forget, like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. They don't. You're looking at the animal like, what are you doing there? And why are you doing that? Oh, that's right. That's what you're supposed <laughs> to be doing. I'm the one that's put up.
0: So, Oh my gosh. So really quick for listeners, tell listeners what you do. Cause it is a very uh, unique, yeah. it's such a unique occupation. And honestly, I don't think a lot of people know about the behind the scenes work that you do. So just like point blank, when someone says, Grant, what do you do for a living?
1: <laughs> well, it takes a little bit longer to, to, to hit all the bases, but in a nutshell, education outreach. But that encompasses production work, movies, television, which can be, you know, scripted film and TV, as well as a lot of the talk shows that you see. Of course, that's how we met. Uh, you do a wonderful job, you know, going on the Today Show and and various shows like that. And that's how we met. Um, so that's an aspect. We do theater shows. We do contract shows for zoos, amusement parks, theme parks, fairs, festivals. Um and yeah, I mean that, yeah, that kind of, that kind of hits it all. Oh, and then in response to COVID, we started doing private tours at our place too, which is just a, a whole nother, you know, area thrown into the mix, which we wish that we had always done it. It was, it was a big mistake on our part not to do it. Uh, the response has been really great and uh, we really enjoyed it. And we get to use a lot of animals that never leave the property. They're either retired or just, you know, a big full grown lion or a tiger. There's not a whole lot of different things you're going to do with them, but now people can come enjoy them.
0: Yeah. And, and I would just say, so, I mean, and I remember, I mean, I mean, honestly, you've been providing animals in especially East coast. I mean, I would, cause you guys yeah. are, cause your place is in Pennsylvania. So for New York city. So, I mean, listeners, if you've ever seen Jack Hanna on a talk show um, you've worked with a lot of, I mean, Dave Samoni from animal planet. I mean, David, Mr. I mean a bunch of all the animal and, talent, everybody. Oh my God. Uh, Hello, Irwin's. Hello, the biggest names.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, literally, I think the only person I never worked with was Steve. Mm -hmm. Um, I pretty much, I think anyone else you name that is kind of the who's who in the animal world in in that regard, yes, I've worked with. And you couldn't ask for a better crop of people. You're talking people that really care about these animals, knowledgeable. I mean, certain people check more boxes than others and and when i say boxes i look at their animal handling ability their knowledge of the animal and their presence you know and it's a it's a rare person that can you know check all those boxes but there's a few out there and uh you know guys like steve i mean they were just the best of the best of the best you know like it when when he went away it left a huge void in that animal world and that television scene and i i meet so many people when i'm doing programs that point to him and his show as what kind of got them to go into biology zoology i mean you just can't discount the importance of these animals on these programs
0: Yeah, I agree. And by the way, audience, so if you've ever seen Robert Irwin on The Tonight Show, when Robert brings those animals out, those are grants. I mean, I think he almost worked with you exclusively. I know they worked with a couple different places, but they were like, I mean, very rarely did they work with anyone else. It was pretty much you. Well, well, the way it worked,
1: The Tonight Show is actually the one that reached out to me. And initially, they tried, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, His last name is Packer. He's from England. Oh, I can't
0: oh my god um jim pat is it jim no i don't think it's jim kirk no anyway no it's chris chris it's it's chris yeah
1: yeah yeah that's it so he did a fantastic job but this was on the heels of another presenter that was very high energy and always amped up and they wanted to tone him down Uh, chris pacman i think his name was chris yeah uh and and i and i and i hope i'm not getting it right because he certainly deserves his due diligence, because the guy who was fantastic. I mean, he is extremely knowledgeable, does a great job. But they muted him. They were like, "We want to, we want to rein you in. We don't want you going out there being a wild man." And I think they they wrangled him in so hard that, you know, I'm not saying he wanted to swing from the chandeliers on his own, you know, but they 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 they, they muzzled him so badly because of trying to go and you know do a 180 that. I don't think it was received as well. So then I think they went back out and looked. And so when they contacted me, they were like, hey, we got a new guy coming. You know, I'd been working with them, but we got a new guy coming. We can't tell you who it is, though. And I'm like, <laughs> well, what do you mean you can't tell me who it is? Like, you know, I'm going to need to know who the person is. And like, oh, it's a big secret. I'm like, okay. I'm like, listen, it, 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 the hell with this. You got to tell me what it is because I need to know who I'm dealing with. And they're like, Robert Irwin. Wow. And I'm like, Who the hell's Robert Irwin? (laughs) Like, you know, I had no idea. And they're like Steve's son, and I'm like, oh, like, is that how old is the kid? You know, and at the time, I think he was like 13. And I'm like, why aren't you using Bindi? And they're like, no, no, no. You know, Robert, you know, is he's an old soul on a young man's body, and the kid's incredible. And I, you know, I I had cautions with it. I told them, I'm like, listen, we're gonna have to, you know, put training wheels on these segments until we see what he's capable of. And man, I tell you, that kid. at his age and his capabilities at this point, he is going to, I think surpass his father if he has the ability and, and wants to, I mean, he's that good. I, I, the whole family actually, Terry Bindi, like, you know, when you meet people that are animal lovers and fanatics, like you wonder, okay, is that when the camera's rolling? What happens when the camera stops? Cause I've seen people that they, they come down a few notches and, you know, maybe not as knowledgeable but man, I'm telling you, like, these people are true believers. Like, my first segment, I, I had a red tail boa, which, you know, for guys like you and I and other, you know, people around a lot of animals, you know, it's a real vanilla animal, milk toast, you know, you're you're not going to, you're not going to, your skirt's not going to get blown up over that, you know? <laughs> and they were just like, oh my God, that was the most beautiful snake. And I'm standing looking like, no, nah, this isn't real. These guys are putting this on, but they're not. They just truly love animals. They, they live it, eat it, breathe it, and it was a it was a real joy to meet them, see what they were, and and realize like oh they're not just someone that's you know like riding that wave of uh, you know S- Steve's celebrity and 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 success so fantastic and you know just can't say enough about a guy like robert
0: yeah i have to say that we're, i mean you've dealt with a lot of celebrities in this line of work i know that you're not starstruck probably by anybody but were you just a little bit yeah. starstruck by terry Irwin? because you, you knew who terry was for sure right yeah. even Bindy, and you know i did a little bit of research on
1: robert and at the time you know he really hadn't done much other than australian television but this, the, the Irwin name is, like, if you're working with animals, I mean, you know, there's guy, you know, Jack Hanna, Jeff Corwin, you know, the Irwins, you know, they're kind of the guys that everyone knows. I mean, we we would do a lot with Jack, and Jack had just this presence about him, and, I mean, I would see celebrities be like, oh, my God, Jack Hanna, like, I want to take a picture with you, and, you know, and, and Jack was a great, yeah, you know, just person to represent the animal world because he was so beloved i mean like you can't you can't dislike the guy the guy truly loves his fans i mean i've seen him literally with food in his mouth and picking his fork up to put another bite in his mouth jack was not easy to eat around he, he eat, you know we'd call him a hyena like he, <laughs> he, he he ate like it was his last meal on, a, on this planet you know he would be eating and someone would walk up and be like, Hey, can I get a, you know, can I get an autograph? I mean, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, you know, my mouth's full. I'm busy. He would drop everything. Like his fans met everything. If he didn't have an autograph card with him, he would literally take down their information, send them an autograph card. I mean, the guy just, you can't say enough about him.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, when I first started working with you, Jack was your main, I mean, it was just crazy, but that was like one of your main clients was Jack Canada. And I know, the people over at animal planet and how neat to be close. I, I Jack is the reason why I got into what I'm doing. Cause he's, he's, sure. he's, he's a living legend. I mean, he, I remember sure. watching him when I was a kid and um, I, I definitely think he is just one of the greats for sure.
1: i once again, everyone, including you, everyone I've ever worked with there. There's no one that I say like, Oh my God, not this person. Uh, you know, like everyone is a joy to work with. Um, I, I, I think, you know, pretty much everyone I, I keep in contact with, it's not just like, you know, when you show up, I mean, just good, solid people, good, solid people. And, you know, once again, I, I, I worry because, you know, there's not a lot of people filling that void, you know, the, you know, we, you and I have had the, the, the conversations in, in terms of, you know, animal rights and the, the picture that they paint, which is completely off base. And they've, you know, they've, they've done an excellent job on their end, you know, marketing and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the PR where, you know, the, the, the importance is lost on, on what we do. And uh, I, I, I hope that people kind of see through it. I hope guys like you, because you're a lot younger than me, you know, keep at it. Keep pushing forward because there is no greater teaching tool than these live animals. I've seen it firsthand. I probably have had this conversation with you, but not, you know, it would be great to have it with everyone yeah. else out there. Yeah. Like, I I have been invited to do shows at the American Museum of Natural History, one of the greatest bastions of knowledge on the planet. And when I do my shows, they typically have other, like, biologists, zoologists that are there doing their their uh, lab work, you know, that uh, is accompanying their field work. And these are the best of the best. And they're doing cutting-age studies, and when, when they, when they do these events where I'm there, they will have them come give a talk too. Now they're doing a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, like, uh, I always get it, the, the, you know, where you have the, 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 pointer and you know, like a oh, PowerPoint. PowerPoint, PowerPoint, that's it. I don't know why that will not stay in my brain. But it won't. <laughs> they're doing PowerPoint presentations. And I mean, it's fascinating. I sit down and I learn, learn, learn. You can pick any seat in the house because there's no one else there watching. (laughs) But me, who I probably know a fraction of what these people know, and especially in regard to the topics that they're speaking of, speaking to, I get up there. It's standing room only. You better come 20 minutes before if you want to get a seat to sit down and watch this. And it, I always feel like it's a crying shame, you know, like people have it backwards in the sense that you should be listening to what these people have to say, like you're going to learn, but it's the live animals that are the draw. And we've had the conversation too, that we take it seriously, you know, like there, there's, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that's on us or anyone that's going to use live animals to you to use that, 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 uh, that attention that we get to get the right messages out, to teach people the right information, you know, not make something up, not be like, oh, I'm just going to say whatever, you know, and, and, you know, you know, something I respect from a guy like you too, you're, you're very knowledgeable when you're going to talk about something. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, one little drawback I've seen, I've seen some guys on national television that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at them like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but, you know, and good guys, they're not doing it maliciously, but I just think that there's a responsibility that we have when we use these animals to utilize them to their fullest extent, you know, that when people watch these programs live or on television, that they are learning, learning, learning.
0: Yes. And I'm so happy you came on the show during this time because there's this huge animal rights movement, and as my following, and I I, I I get it every day. I'm so I mean, I guess I've taken this time grant to focus during COVID since we haven't been doing live shows. I've focused on building my brand online. And I I think in a couple months I'll be hitting nearly a million followers on TikTok, which what? is well, it's great, but it also comes with a whole slew of, you know, people who are judging everything I do, people, animal rights people, and we're really coming under fire. And I know that we, yeah, we, we talked like a few months ago and we're like, we have to have you come on the show because I mean, honestly, I, I think what we do on TV, I mean, it's, it's really being jeopardized to the point where it might not even happen anymore. Can we talk a little bit about that? Cause maybe some people don't know what's going on, but in cities like New York, Los Angeles, it's getting more and more difficult to present animals on national TV. Well, what they do
1: is, you know, the animal rights, they kind of set an agenda and that agenda is that whatever they think that's right, that's the only thing that you can do. They are, you know, t- t- the, the biggest complaint I have about them is the hypocrisy. You sit and, you know, they, they've said in regard to when we take animals on television, that these animals are stressed and they're afraid and the bright lights are scaring them. And, you know, I, I mean, it. You know, just to address that last part, like I've never seen a studio that's more brightly lit than the natural sunlight that they live in. These animals that we use aren't animals that are on some static display that, you know, they're darted, stuck in a crate, taken to it. These animals are going out doing programs. You know, the, the, uh, the, the, the minor leagues is, you know, you go to schools and these different various events like that. The big leagues is when they move on and do a television show. But they have their experience. They have their, they ha- they their 10,000 hours of experience that makes them an expert. And that is, right out of the gate, huge difference that people don't understand. These animals, they, they, don't, they don't get phased by things. You know, it, you, you can't take an animal that's lived its entire life in the wild or, once again, on, a, on an exhibit at a zoo and try and take them on a television set or a movie set or anything like that or a school for that matter. But you do it in a way where, once again, you see that animal. Now, animals, it's possible. Like, a lot of wild canids, they hit an age, and you kind of know, like, they're going to be done at this age. They're fine going out, seeing people, strangers, whatever. And then I've I've had wolves that at one year, they're like, no thanks, I'm done. You're not going to make a one-year-old wolf, like, Mm -hmm. go do something it doesn't want to do. So it's a real shame because... There is a massive, you know, uh, movement with people to love animals and nature, and when they're being fed the 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 the, the this information from the animal rights groups. Oh, if you love animals, then you should be against this. And this is you know, and there's there, there so many lies, so many lies that are said that we can't fight. We don't have their money. We don't have their PR machine, and we just kind of have to sit and take it. But the funny thing is, whether it's producers or celebrity guests or hosts or studio audiences, when they see these segments and they're there, either witnessing them or on TV, they get it. They get it. You know, the, 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 the people that are, you know, the, the dead set against all this, it's a very small minority. But unfortunately, that old, you know, squeaky wheel gets the oil thing is 100% true. I mean, right now they're trying to ride this pandemic fear wave and we're seeing more and more that like, well, this pandemic probably came from a lab in Wuhan. You know, you, you're, you're, seeing it in wall street journal. You're seeing it in major publications and that, you know, they're never going to pay attention to that. They're going to keep pushing the agenda of this came from wild animals. And therefore we have to stop any wild animal from coming in contact with a person. I mean, You know they're they're trying to in many states propose laws that would ban any importation of any animal, Um, and it and it's it's completely ludicrous. And and I say, if you listen to them, and you take what they're saying to its fullest extent, that you're gonna you're gonna contract a uh, a disease from an animal. Well, it's not just gonna be like zoo animals, like. If you if you truly believe that, well, you better go out in your yard and and start exterminating every groundhog, squirrel, deer, raccoon, possum that could possibly come through your yard and, you know, expose you to some disease. I mean, literally, what would be the difference? And that is wholeheartedly just irresponsible for them to 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 be, you know, making these messages.
0: Yeah. And I just, you know, back on to, I mean, and I think a common misconception is maybe, you know, we're taking animals out of the wild or we're making yeah. them, you know, do something that that they don't want to do as someone who does this on camera, the very last thing. And I'm telling you this, the very last thing I would want to do is bring out a stressed animal on national TV. And not only is the animal stressed, but it would make me as, as an expert look like a complete, Idiot, inexperienced, like it's like we don't want that. That is not the message we're getting across. And you know this, and this is its whole another discussion, but it's not as easy as being like, you know what, I think I want a penguin on a show, or you know what, I think I want a sloth, or maybe a cheetah or a leopard. And then it just, and, and you know, someone just shows up with a bunch of animals and you just throw them out there. It takes months of planning and permits and health certificates and people on site, making sure that the animals are taken care of. Like it's not a easy process. And honestly, frankly, I wouldn't say it's really a fun process going through the permits. Yeah. Actually, that's not fun no. at all. That sucks.
1: No. And, and it's, and it's deliberately Getting more and more and more difficult and yeah. to, to the point where you you you've got to be very dedicated, uh, very knowledgeable about, you know, all the different changes, because, you know, there, there's laws that just get proposed on a daily basis, you know, that, um, you know, they, they, they just have their lobbyists that they pour money into and they just push their agenda and you can only knock them down. It's like whack-a-mole, you know, you hit that one, you know, okay, you defeated that one pops up over here. And all they do is just keep reintroducing it because they have more money than every other entity, like a zoo, you know, put, to, you know, put together, you, you take all the zoos and their lobbyists and their money, you know, these groups, they, <laughs> and, 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 the, you know, more of the hypocrisy, you know, some of these groups, they don't believe in you even having a pet. Forget about animals, wild animals going on a television show. They don't believe you should have a pet because any, quote, pet is, is an enslaved animal. And they would they believe that those animals are better off dead. And, and some of these groups run shelters where they kill animals. They kill animals that are very readily adoptable. And then turn around in the same breath and say things like, oh, this dog that was on a television show, he lives a horrible life and he's mistreated. It's like, I promise you that dog is treated no different than the celebrity on that show. I mean, like, I've seen with my own eyes, you know, the the life that an animal like that, that's a star, you know, so to speak, lives. And that animal lives better than, let's say, 60% of the people that live on this planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the whole thing's ludicrous, but this message, what you, this conversation that you and I are having, it doesn't get out to the masses. You know, it just, it doesn't get out there. And, you know, that's, and, and I, I, I know people that have been doing this a long time and they're and I've heard them in private conversations say like, man, I'm just, I'm tired of fighting this, you know, I'm tired of fighting the, the, the BS, you know?
0: Yeah. I got into, um, Man, I, so I got my start on the tonight show when I was 14 with reptiles, which I still have, which I feel like reptiles are almost kind of like a safety card. I feel like when it comes yeah. to like presenting animals on TV, I think reptiles and then, you know, inverts. So like, you know, yeah. spiders, tarantula, I mean, or whatever, uh, scorpions, I feel like they kind of get a, I, I feel like people kind of overlook them because, you know, they just don't, uh. I don't know, hold as much importance to people. But when you start presenting birds and then when you get into mammals and my God, when you start presenting cats, it opens up a whole new can of worms. And um, when I worked on the tonight show back, I remember I worked with this handler and he looked at me and said, Corbin, he just said, you're completely effed. And he said the actual word, but I won't say this because this, you know, anyway, he said, you're, you're, he says, you're completely effed. I'm so happy I'm getting out of this business. And I'll never forget that. And I've continued to go forward, but I sure have, uh, I've seen what he means because they are making it more and more difficult. And I know you've seen it. Cause I mean, you work with all different types of animals, including, I mean, you know, big cats and that's one of your expertise.
1: Well, you know, once again, to me it speaks of hypocrisy and that certain animals like elephants and big cats, you know, rile up this, these feelings when I'm with you I love using animals in presentations that are hated, misunderstood, misrepresented, you know, like where people have this feeling that they're going to tear your throat out and, you know, drink your blood. And, you know, the funny thing is, you know, like the cats, for instance, you know, the mammals, the cute furry stuff, a lot of times they're the stuff that pose a danger, you know, especially a captive animal you're working with, where the inverts, the reptiles, they're pretty straightforward. And, you know, I I see people where, let's say you're doing a presentation and you have a snake and they're like, you know, they get up, they leave. They're like, I I literally think you could chop the snake's head off and you'd get a round of applause. But Mm. you, you know, have a cat, any, you know, any, any cute furry thing like that. And, oh, my God, you you know, like immediately, you know, it's like, is is that animal taken care of? And, you know, it's like, why do you only care about this? Mm. Like that reptile, that invert. Is just as important, you know. And if if you want to live a life on this planet where you don't hurt anything, and and to me, like if you're a quote animal rights person, you have to be all in. You got to be a vegan. You can't have a pet, and you better not drive a car because yeah. I'm I guarantee you, you're going to hit hit countless insects. And why are they a lesser life form than a tiger? You better not live in anything bigger than a shoebox, because I don't care how small your carbon footprint is, whatever it is, is at the expense of another living thing on this planet. In other words, our planet is designed that there are prey, there are predators. Yes, we're an empathetic, caring, sensitive, intelligent species that has the ability to go above and beyond. But we're an animal. That's something that drives me crazy. Like we're an animal no different. I'm no different than a dog, a cat, a tiger or whatever. I function with the same things. I, I'm probably a slight bit smarter than a ferret, you know, <laughs> but not a lot. I'm not disparaging ferrets, you know, but in other words, like I'm an animal. I touch something hot. My reaction is to pull away without thinking same as probably every other living creature on this planet. People make too much of it that, oh my God, you know, I'm a person and I don't, you know, like I'm not saying that you know you should club something over the head just just to just for the fun of it but you know it, you live on a planet where you as a human are an omnivore there's nothing wrong with eating other animals it, it would it's fantastic if they're raised humanely and everything we can do from an ethical standpoint to do the right thing is there but you know, you, you, you have these groups that are so swung in the other direction they literally want to incarcerate people who are not vegan. And I'm not making that up. That is a that that is a, a mantra from a group that's supported by one of the biggest animal rights groups. And and if you don't believe me, and quite frankly, I didn't believe it when I first heard it, but it's out there. Literally they want a department, a separate department within the Department of Justice to Arrest and incarcerate people who are not vegan.
0: Yeah, we uh, a kind of a ridiculous story that hit home here in Idaho is we have a famous road near where I live called Chicken Dinner Road, and a couple, yeah. a couple of years ago, it made national headlines because PETA contacted, I believe, our mayor and wanted to get that road changed to Chicken Road and not Chicken Dinner Road. And they made this big stink about it. It actually put Idaho on the map for a second. And everyone got a laugh at PETA going after this with Chicken Dinner Road. And it, it, it's a famous old country road. And it just has – there's there's an amazing story behind why it's called Chicken Dinner Road. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know – they put all this effort and all this money into this PR campaign to try to change our road in Idaho, chicken dinner road to chicken road. Why could that money not have gone to conservation, to animals being poached to animals? I mean, like it is, I, and I feel like this too, Grant, there's like, I feel like in some people's minds, there's this utopia of this amazing wild place where all the animals live. Everything's beautiful. There's green grass, there's waterfalls. And it's like, a lot of these people like have never been to Africa. Like I've been there. I've seen that. It's not what you see on national geographic. It's not, it is horrific what's going on with our animals. So when we're wasting resources on changing the name of chicken dinner road, or I can't even believe about, you know, them wanting to maybe uh, put people in jail who eat meat, you know, some of those groups, not all of them. I just feel like their resources could be used to actually save habitat. Like what about saving habitat?
1: Agree a hundred percent, you know, I mean, you, you know, even, even zoos have to kind of take a step back at times. And I've, I've heard the conversation is held sometimes, you know, you, you look at the big zoos and like they multi multi-million dollar exhibits and it, it's absolutely important, a necessity to me for people to be able to see these animals firsthand. But you know, there's, there's, no, there's no, you know, meat on the bone that we could have, like, left there to go to conservation. You know, we couldn't have, like, shaved a million dollars off this $20 million exhibit to put it to that, you know. I mean, like, I work on an infinitely smaller budget than a big zoo. But I promise you the exposure that the public gets to education and, you know, seeing these animals dollar for dollar I'm, I'm pennies on the dollar you know for for what the biggest zoos do and I think that I do a fantastic job mm-hmm. disseminating that information giving people knowledge giving people a first-hand experience that once again a lot of times will entice them to maybe go into a field like biology zoology uh, you know I, yeah it, it and once again back to the hypocrisy of you know all the money spent that is going to the in my mind you know wrong things
0: yeah and and i do want to say because i know some people listening to my you know because some people work at zoos that listen to the show and they're probably going to say well a portion of the proceeds do go to conservation which they do some zoos especially aza yeah. zoos they're required
1: you know i mean zoos have to be introspective and look
0: at themselves and they mm. do
1: and and th- that that's how you fix things and that's how you move ahead i mean think about zoos just 50 years ago yes I, not even you know less than that even, and some of them were barren concrete jungles, of you know steel bars and concrete with no enrichment whatsoever, nothing that looks natural.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, they they've they've leaped light years ahead as far as you know where they are now. And one thing one one thing I want to kind of come back to the importance of zoos. There's yes. a reason why there, there there's a reason why you have museums and big, world-renowned art galleries. People want to and need to see things in person. And, you know, a tiger is more majestic than any Rembrandt hanging on a wall. Oh, yeah. People will people will make treks and journeys to go to a museum to see a work of art in person that they absolutely could see in a book, on their phone, on their iPad, on their television. Mm. But they don't. There, there's nothing that substitutes... When I do tours at my place, you know, I have to keep people six feet back, you know, from, you know, my animals. I don't have barriers. That's why we do a guided tour. Now, when you're walking up to our tiger, and our tiger, he comes right over to see you. you, you see people like, wow, that's big. And then I will hold food up over my hand as far as I can reach up, which is a good eight feet. And when that tiger stands up to take that food, I've never done a tour and have not heard gasps. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe how big he is. Wow. Some audible thing that you can tell that person has no control over. It's just a response. And that response is pure. That response is like, wow. Now, everyone that goes on a tour, they know tigers are big. They know that they're majestic predators and they're beautiful and everything. But then when they see it in person, six feet away, there's no substitute. There's literally no substitute, you know, and, I, you know, they they, they they have even seen the tiger as we're walking up to it, but I just, you can't take away that firsthand experience and the way this country works, you know, there's a lot of people that are born in some county that could be rural and they're born there and they die there and they never leave there. They don't mm. get in the Range Rover and go on a picnic and go to the big zoo and, you know, Sometimes when you and I are traveling to other places, this is the only exposure that they get. This is the only experience that they get. And they will tell you that. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the event that I'm at here, I can't tell you how many people today said, I've never seen a sloth in person. And we're just like, wow, that's so cool. And it's something you and I, we see every day. We, you know, we, we, you know, it can get a little bit lost on us. And, you know, there's times where I do have to do a reality check. Like, yeah, I guess that is the case. So I don't know how you even dispute that. I don't know. You know, there's there's no, you know, once again, slideshow stuffy, no matter, you know, animatronic animal that is going to substitute for the real thing.
0: I agree. And I just I just did a show a couple days ago at the this little town called Middleton in Idaho. And it was just for the Middleton library. I've been doing it for years. And you literally have people. And I mean, Middleton's maybe 45 minutes outside of Boise, our capital. And there were were people would come up to me and say, Thank you so much, like we've never been to our zoo. We've never left middle yeah. like thank you for sharing the animals or I can't tell you how many times, and I don't know about you, but like I love like small towns i i just i they they just like appreciate it and they're just they're not entitled and but I've had so many people all throughout my years, come up to me and say, you know what, I, that was so cool. Your snakes were so cool. Next time I see a snake, I'm not going to chop its head off. Thank you right. for, edu- I mean, seriously, like so many, I had, a, I, had a lady no. write, I had a lady write me a letter and say, because of your show, I will no longer kill rattlesnakes. I will no longer do this or that. I will no longer squash a spider because I met Karen the tarantula and found out that, hey, they're really not a threat. So I, we're really doing a service. I, I really do, and I don't think a lot of people see it.
1: No, you're, you're absolutely, I mean, here's the people that see it, the people that actually see it, (laughs) the people that you are interfacing with, they get it. I mean, like there's no ifs, ands, or buts, they get it. They don't meet you and they're fed, uh, you know, this, this line of BS. There's nothing that stops them from buying into that. But I'll tell you, like when you, if I've got to do it one person at a time and hit every, you know, hit what are we up to now 350 million people in the U S if I got to go door to door and do a presentation for every one of those people, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can pull that off with the time I have left on this planet, but I'm willing to give it a try because when people see it firsthand, uh, you know, someone that has common sense about them sees the importance, sees what you're doing, that it's not exploitation or any of the other, you know, catchphrases that, you know, that, the, that these groups want to paint it with it, it's incredibly important and I, I want to come back to what you said It, I, i've had instances exactly like what you described where someone comes up and says i you know would normally kill that animal or blah 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 whatever and if you just in and, and you know i've been doing this over 30 years and that time if i just hit one person that says you know what i'm not going to kill snakes just like what you said one person That's worth it. That's worth it all. I know we're hitting way, way, way more than that. But the point is that, you know, that one person not killing whatever animal it is, which of course it's gonna be spiders, scorpions, snakes, bats, you know, the like, like that skunks,
0: raccoons, all that verb badgers.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I I did a I did a show one time and um at the end of it I, I did Eagle Owl. And this little boy raises his hand. Actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't an eagle owl because it was a native owl. I think it was like a barn owl. And this kid kid raises his hand in in the Q&A session. And he's like, you know, of course, you know, kids will sometimes tell you a story as opposed to Q&A. Raised his hand and said, yeah, my dad shoots those. Now, great teaching moment. Like, obviously, I just stood up in front of him for an hour. He's going to be somewhat vested in me as a quote expert. He's probably open to maybe hearing what I have to say I don't want to admonish him for his father's actions so I'm very careful in that you know I I said to the boy I'm like listen uh you know you actually you know you don't want to do that these animals are important like we talked about it's actually illegal so once again I don't want to make him look bad in front of his class but if that if that boy got that alternative message like hey owls aren't there for you to sight your gun in on And it makes an impact in him, even if not at that moment, but there is a continual uh, uh, exposure to that kind of message. Then maybe we get through to him. Maybe we make a change, because if not, what do you think that kid's going to do when he grows up? He's going to go out with his guns, just like his dad does, and he's going to fire at things indiscriminately, like owls and who who knows what else. Yeah. You know, just... Just those small little examples that means a lifetime of achievement.
0: I think so, and I'm sure you hit him, Mike. I mean, I would have hit him with the fact like they can eat a, you know eat a thousand mice a year, and like I'm sure you did all that whole thing, you know, just in getting people trying to you know sh- you know sh- share with them that animals do have a benefit. But I think it's so important what we do. One of my favorite animals I ever took on the Today Show was, and it's such a simple animal, but we don't have them here in Idaho. Are Opossums and my favorite. Yeah. I love putting the talking points because it's like this opossum could eat. You know, I think it's like five or six thousand ticks in a single yeah. season. It's like what? Like and just be able to share that in front of a few million people on national TV. I feel like I just did my job. Like I, I love doing stuff like that. You know. Well,
1: and and it's it, it's another example of a mammal that just needs a better public relations yes. representative because in and the poor opossum. I, I, I've, I've thought about it, like why people hate them so much. And I, I'm about 99% sure it's just they have no hair on their tail. If the poor things would just get a hair transplant on their tail so they didn't look like a mouse or a rat, I think it would do wonders for possums as a species. Of course, that's not going to happen. I love possums. Um, I love having them in our programs because there's so much to talk about with them. And that that's the hallmark of a good presenter. It's not You don't need to have a pink elephant you know, to draw attention and and hold people's attention. A good, you know, a good presenter can take a possum, which I I think there's so much to talk about with possum. I I think it's it's a loaded animal. So, you know, I'm talking about if you have an animal that most people aren't even going to look at because it's not big and sexy and it's not the meanest and strongest and, you know, most endangered, but you can take it and make it interesting, that is a good presenter. That's what everyone needs to shoot for. You don't have to have you know, once again, you know, you know, yeah, the pink elephant, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever is placed in front of you, you need to make it the most interesting animal on the planet.
0: I think so. And back onto what we we're talking about, you know, some of these animal rights people, I'll, I'll never forget. I did. I was a spokesperson for AZA. So the Association of Zoos and Aquariums for their program, Safe, Saving Animals from Extinction. And I had to do a, well, had to, I love doing this. I had to do a press tour and I got to team up with Susie and Brian from the Columbus
1: zoo.
0: Yeah. I know you're very close with them, got to work with them. And I'll never forget my first job. We had to go and to, uh, to up like, you know, to, to a giant skyscraper and present to a bunch of magazine editors. And I'm talking the most liberal animal, like far left. I mean, I mean, which nothing bad with that, but like very anti, Zoo anti all this. And after my presentation, and I I don't want to say my presentation, it was the animals that killed it. Susie and their team at the Columbus Zoo walked the animals around and I talked about blah, 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 whatever about the zoo and how we're donating to conservation. I had editors come up to me and say, before this, I hated zoos. But after seeing this presentation and seeing how these animals are cared for. You've completely changed my mind. And I wanted to just to tail end on what you said when we're on these sets or these TV studios, I can honestly say in my set, Oh my, I'm getting old grant. In my 17 years of doing this on national TV shows on top shows, I've never had someone in the flesh come up to me. Who was either, um, like angry about something or who saw something they didn't like. Or I mean, now I have had celebrities who they're publicists to say they don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to see anything, whatever. That's a whole different animal. But I've never had that issue because they see how the animals are cared for. And they're like, okay, I get it.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we kind of glanced off of it, but you know, people need to educate themselves as to what the wild is. And I, I hate to say it. I hate to be the guy to say like, remember, remember this date. And I told you this, but there's going to be a point. In the future, hopefully it's not the near future, but in the future where the only way that a lot of animals and I'm talking the big mega carnivores, uh, the big mega hoofstock animals, uh, primate, the only way these animals are going to survive is in a zoo type setting. Uh, You know, you, you kind of alluded to it in South Africa in the sense, you know, which when I was there, I was shocked to learn that any of those aforementioned animals, the megafauna you know the, the 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 mega carnivores, the mega hoofstock. The only way they survive in South Africa right now is within a reserve or preserve. It's basically a big zoo. It's a fenced area for their protection. Smaller antelope species, and you know, like some of your smaller primates, and and even leopards, which are you know much more uh, uh, versatile in their habitats and their eating patterns are able to survive outside that. And when I say survive, I mean literally survive. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're working around the, the uh, you know, around what is there for them. But the big animals, the rhino, the elephant, the hippo, the giraffe, the lions, hyenas, they only survive behind walls. And that is unfortunately the way that this planet in general is headed. I mean, like, I always say, if my animals are so stressed or your animals are so stressed, which stress has any Medical, medical professional will tell you is one of the biggest killers that there is stress so how are these animals living two three times longer in captivity as opposed to the wild i'm not advocating that animals you know are taken from the wild and put in captivity but i am you know because what i've seen in the world from being in the wild and seeing the way that the population's growing and you know basically unstopped i mean covid is a little Blip you know as far as you know the world population goes and, and, and its effect on it, but we are headed towards a time and a place where a lot of animals are only going to survive in a captive or protected setting the the wild is fastly leaving this planet
0: that's true and I think one of I had an elephant researcher on many years ago on this show and or no it was an author who interviewed an elephant researcher. Anyway, he went to Amboseli National Park in Kenya and studied the elephants, blah, 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 blah. The poaching crisis was so bad. The author told me his name. The author's name was Carl Safina, by the way. Great author. But he said it just seeing the poaching hands-on and seeing that and living it, it changed his life forever. And But anyway, my point was he said there were researchers there in that park that said, you know, honestly, that they felt better for the elephants living in Disney's animal kingdom or, or a accredited zoo than what's going on in the wild right now. And he just, it's yeah. it is. And I think in a perfect world, and I get this too. I mean, the majority of like my following is coming because I have two rescued alligators. And they live in this big alligator house and, and, I mean, I will tell people point blank, you know, people say, this isn't the wild, they need this and that. And it's like, I get it in a perfect world. Like I get it. They would be out in the Everglades and they, I wouldn't have to be spending every dime I make on trying to heat this stupid building. (laughs) And like, you know what I mean? And like, I'm serious though, like in a perfect world absolutely i get it it's not a perfect world they had nowhere to go and this is this is what we did and we did a great job and so anyway i'm going on a tangent but i'm sure you could understand it's just um the wild isn't what it is and it's not uh you know it, it,
1: it never it never was it never was the utopia that people think of it as it's fraught with hardship and disease and natural disasters and predation and intra species aggression. I mean, you name it, at every turn, if you're a wild animal, you know, I, I, I often think to myself, okay, I'm stranded in the wild. What do I drink? Like, let's say there's water available to me. Let's say it even looks like a beautiful mountain stream. That thing is loaded with bacteria and, uh, I mean, it's just everything you could imagine. Like, and, and, People say, well, you know, animals, they, they're, they're, they're designed to deal with it. Yeah, if they've got all the makings to be, you know, once again, survival of the fittest. And even with that, they're not going to live the life, the longevity that a lot of these captive animals are going to live. So the wild has never been this place that is just this utopia of running through daisy fields. But it, it, But every every decade we're seeing a extreme market turndown and you know just just the pure degree uh degradation of these habitats of these living spaces there's very few places in the world i mean i got to go to the galapagos islands and i would say that is one of the very few examples where you don't see man's impact now uh there was wholesale you know uh introduction of invasive species uh reworking, you know, the land, you know, like just robbing water, uh, you know, wholesale killing of animals, uh, you know, up until, you know, recent history, that's kind of stuff it on, you know, now it's, it, it's, it's this world treasure and all the efforts that are going into it are, are keeping it what it is, but that's a massive undertaking. And that, and, and that's a relatively small amount of land when you, when you pile the Galapagos up together as a whole. So, we don't have the ability, the resources to do what we're doing in the Galapagos all over the world. You know, we just, we don't. Yeah. And that just puts every animal on a collision course with humanity.
0: Yeah. So as we wrap up, cause we're almost getting into an hour, which by the way, I forgot to ask you, but will you join me for the after show? absolutely sure
1: i gotta charge my phone my
0: <laughs> okay good to, uh, okay yeah, well, yeah. well really quick for those as we wrap up this main interview by the way if you want to join the after show just head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max i'll include the link in the show notes uh the after show is a great way to get more in depth with our interviews and it's patreon only so go check that out grant what do you see the future of what we do bringing animals on tv where is it headed is there hope for us to still being able to uh go on these shows and inspire people or is it looking bad? We are the
1: Japanese soldiers that are hiding out on the islands long after the war is over, (laughs) not knowing that the war is over continuing the fight. So it doesn't get any more dire than that. Quite honestly. Um, I, it, it, it saddens me, but, I think that with the way that things work in the world at times, you know, you have this cancel culture going on right now Yes. and it got so bad that now you're seeing a pushback. Now you're seeing people are like, come on, this is too much. And I, I think there's going to come a day where if all this stuff is eradicated, someone will pick up the mantle and it will be like a reinvention of fire. People are going to be like, Oh my God, this is going to be such an interest. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm at, a, I'm at an event where there's a million things going on, as well as ban- there's tons of competition for people's time and interest and energy, and we are one of the most popular things here. I mean, like, uh, you know, people come up and they're like, I come. I, I have people today tell me like, this is why I come to this event. I don't care about anything else. This is why I come to this event. So once again. The, the the boots to the ground reaction for when people see what we do and their response is still strong. It's still wanted, and yeah, as you and I know, still needed.
0: Yes, and I'm not going down without a fight. If I'm just if yeah. I if I'm just bringing hamsters on the Today Show, you better darn yeah. bet you I'm okay. gonna do it. I'm gonna continue to do it. They'll be the best looking hamsters you'll ever see, and I'll. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah I, I always said if I got to do uh, uh, presentations with an ant farm let's Soviet do <laughs> they are
0: oh yes they
1: really are and i think i could get a lot of people to be like man ants are really cool i'm not going to step on them anymore you know yeah oh I'll, yes whatever it, whatever it needs to
0: be absolutely and uh really quick before we leave this main interview oh I, I i have i have two last questions for you for the main interview what is your favorite animal to work with and present to audiences on tv or in front of a live wow. audience that's my first man, question that's-
1: we should pass it at the top. Cause it'll take me an hour to, you know, to, to answer that. Um, man, I, you know, I, the, the short answer is every animal has something interesting. Oh, that's
0: lame. Grant, don't, don't feed me I, that bull crap. What is your favorite one? What is your one? That's like, okay, people are going to just not, this is, this is a good animal.
1: Okay. Okay. I, I, I love hyenas. I love, oh, wow. love hyenas. Wow. Um, they're an animal that, you know, anytime you're interacting with them, people are just their jaws are dropping because they watched Lion King too many times. And and, and the hyenas were the bad guys in Lion King, because when I asked them, you know, when they when they asked me, like, why is not that thing ripping you apart? Why isn't it eating you? And I'm like, well, why would you think it would do that? And they they pause and they look up, they look left, they look right. And it's like, I guess Lion King, you know, which. Once again, you know, like some of these, some of these movies have done such, you know, injustice to a lot of animals in that on that level, but I, I love hyenas because like we talked about with possums, you know, they're misunderstood. Um, they're fascinating. They have incredible uh, hierarchies, a, a social structure, extremely intelligent um, and and difficult, not an easy animal to work with. I mean, I'm missing the end of my finger and almost had my calf taken off by one that, that loved me to death. <laughs> so they're high up on the list. Mandrills are definitely my favorite monkey. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I, I know, I know, I know you want to throw something at me, but you- I, I got to tell you, like, if you if you ask me what animal I don't want to work with, that that's easy. Chimps. Oh, God, <laughs> I, no. I like to live. Yeah. I don't want to be ripped apart. Um, but outside of that, man, I mean, I'm a beekeeper. I'm a marine aquarist. I'm a master falconer. You know, I there's not a bridge that I wouldn't cross to work with an animal.
0: What do you do? You have a striped hyena? I did.
1: They 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 passed on of old age. Uh They're not a very long lived animal. the The spotteds are much longer lived. My my spotteds right now are on loan to uh, Southwick Zoo in Massachusetts, and boy, they got to be pushing close to twenty now. Um, Spotted hyena or striped are the only their lifespan is only about half what a spotted uh, yeah what a spotted is. So I did have striped. I I, uh, I would love to work with the whole hyena clan, you know, like the, the brown the wolf and the brown. But those are those are very difficult called animals to come by. But my, my wife and I were just talking. And now that we're doing these you know, guided tours, we want to get back to hyenas, you know, because I just I, I love talking about them. I love seeing people's reactions. You know, they're so vocal and the sounds they make are fascinating. And when you do see the relationship that you can have with them, albeit extremely dangerous, it blows people's minds, blows them away.
0: Yeah. There's so much that we didn't even get into regarding the animals you care for. And my wife and I, we actually went to your property and yes. I was so impressed. I, I, I mean, honestly, like I'll never forget, you had that big, beautiful male lion and just this big habitat and it just, you had bears and wolves. And I just, I was really impressed. I mean, I saw it firsthand in, uh, in Pennsylvania and I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. So Grant, we have to have you come back on the show seriously. Cause I feel like that's a whole nother episode. I would love to have you.
1: Oh, I, I I feel we like opened up the door and I took, a, I took one step inside, quite honestly. So. I know.
0: Well, well I, I think
1: everything we talked about was important. And I, I hope it resonates with everyone listening, but oh my God. Yeah. There's so much more to talk about.
0: So how about you come back on the show? Can I book you next week? Are you, are you, are you going to be back home next week? Yeah, absolutely. And, why and why don't we I do help, it? You know, well, we'll, we'll have, well, why don't we have a part two? Cause I seriously feel like there are people at home or just listening who are like, what would it be like to take care of these wild like hyenas or training tigers? Or I feel like there's so much more that we need to talk about.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, we're just, we're not a traditional zoo and that you have a, a mammal department and a reptile department, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I'm wearing every hat. And, uh, it definitely is quite different than probably a lot of people that you're going to talk to in the zoo world. Um, although obviously we, we, we cross that path, but in a very different way that yeah I, I i definitely think it would be interesting
0: absolutely okay sounds great all right head on over to the after show we're gonna do uh, a few other things but grant i'll definitely have you back on i feel like we have a part two in the making so stay tuned audience for part yes, two thank you very much buddy